Hello everyone and welcome to South Asia Sphere, Himal's fortnightly podcast on all things South Asia, where we bring you a roundup of the big stories in the region. We are your hosts, Raisa and Ritika, and this roundup was recorded on 22nd December and it covers the news from the 1st to the 21st of December. Four southern districts in Tamil Nadu experienced heavy rain as a result of a cyclonic storm on the 17th and 18th of December. A public holiday was declared in Thutukudi, Tirunelveli, Tenkasi and Kanyakumai due to bad weather. At least three people died while hundreds were stranded at railway stations. The rains also impacted Sri Lanka with 1,771 people displaced and over 5,800 people affected as of the 18th of December. Tamil Nadu Minister Mano Thangaraj said the Indian Meteorological Department issued a red warning relatively late on the 18th of December and that the lack of preparedness might have contributed to heavier damage and more people stranded. Thangaraj added that there was an increasing need to upgrade forecasting and communication systems for better disaster preparation. While it is currently the monsoon season in Tamil Nadu, meteorologists said climate change led to unusually heavy rainfall in the southern belt. In India, 141 opposition MPs were suspended from parliament after protesting a security breach that happened on the 13th of December. On that day, two protesters opened smoke canisters inside the parliament building while two more also let off smoke canisters outside the parliament. The protesters were allegedly expressing frustration with government policies. The opposition MPs have been demanding a statement from the Home Minister Amit Shah or Prime Minister Narendra Modi on the incident. Most of the MPs have been suspended until the end of the winter session on the 22nd of December, but over 20 may be suspended for longer depending on the decision of a parliamentary committee. The security breach occurred exactly 22 years after India's parliament was attacked by militants in 2001 leading to more than a dozen deaths. Congress president Mallikarjun Kharge said that the mass suspensions allowed for the government to bulldoze important legislation through the parliament and crush dissent. On the 21st of December, the Lok Sabha cleared three bills to replace the colonial era Indian Penal Code, the Code of Criminal Procedure and the Indian Evidence Act and also passed the Indian Telecommunications Bill. Concerns have already been raised about these pieces of legislation for expanding police powers in case of criminal justice bills and for enabling state control of internet infrastructure in the case of the Telecommunications Bill. On the 17th of December, Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan delivered a speech using an AI-generated audio clip at a virtual rally hosted by his party, Pakistan Tehreek-e-Insaf. Khan is in prison in Rawalpindi after allegations of leaking state secrets. The voice note was created using a tool from the AI firm Eleven Labs, which claims to be able to clone voices from speech samples. Now the PTI said that the rally received more than 5 million views across social media platforms. This virtual rally was organized to bypass a ban on the PTI holding public rallies. Khan referenced this in his speech and also highlighted the crackdown on PTI party members and supporters that escalated after his arrest. Internet censorship monitor Netblocks confirmed that social media platforms were restricted for several hours on the 17th of December, 
adding that this was consistent with past instances of internet censorship targeting Khan and the PTI. The rally was also an exercise in generating visibility for the PTI ahead of planned elections in February 2024. On the 16th of December, tens of thousands of Bangladesh Nationalist Party supporters held a rally on Victory Day, which is the day Pakistan's armed forces were defeated in the 1971 war. The size of the rally was quite surprising given that many of BNP's leadership have been arrested and the protesters gathered in front of the padlocked BNP headquarters. Many of the protesters were not BNP members but day labourers, small-time businessmen and rickshaw pullers among others who said that their key reason for protesting was the rising prices of essential commodities. The crackdown on the BNP has been ongoing particularly after a rally on 28th October. At least 1027 opposition party members from BNP and Jamaat-e-Islami have been arrested since the 7th of November ahead of planned elections in January. On the 18th of December, a Dhaka court once again rejected the bail petitions of BNP's General Secretary Mirza Fakrur Alamgir and Standing Committee member Amir Khusro Mahmood Chaudhry, despite their defence lawyer noting that both detained men were suffering from health issues. The Maldives has sought to end a bilateral agreement that allowed India to collaborate on a hydrographic survey of Maldivian territorial waters. The agreement, signed during Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's visit in 2019, aimed to strengthen the Maldivian government's capability to map out its coastal waters and exclusive economic zone. Maldives' new president, Mohamed Muizu, was elected on the strength of an India Out campaign pushed by the Progressive Party of the Maldives, which has raised questions on Indian agreements and interests in the Maldives. Muizu's predecessor, the Maldivian Democratic Party's Ibrahim Soli, was widely seen as being more pro-India, though analysts also highlighted voter disenchantment with the MDP for not addressing deeper issues related to law and order and corruption. The Undersecretary for Public Policy, Mohammed Firuzul Abdul Khalil, said the Maldives was repealing provisions on secret bilateral agreements signed by the former administration that could endanger Maldives' independence and sovereignty. Shortly after being elected, Muizu announced his intention to ask Indian troops stationed in the Maldives to withdraw from the island. At least 56 Sri Lankans have been held captive at the Thai-Myanmar border after leaving to Thailand in search of employment. The Sri Lankans said that they entered Thailand on tourist visas and were trafficked to a camp in Myawadi city in Myanmar. They said that they were forced to impersonate women on social media and ensnare victims in online scams. One man who escaped said that if they were unable to secure a person to scam within nine hours, they were beaten and denied food and water, while others spoke of being electrocuted for refusing to comply. Five of the Sri Lankans were able to escape as they were being transported close to the Laos border where they were to be sold to another group. The cyber scam syndicates are largely run by the border guard forces in Mayawadi, many of which are aligned with Myanmar's military junta. If you want to understand more on these cyber scam syndicates, check out our interview with Ong Kong Mat, who also talked about the armed groups battling Myanmar's military junta. The People's Democratic Party and Bhutan Tendra Party will contest for the second round of Bhutan's National Assembly elections on the 9th of January, after garnering the highest number of votes. The PDP dominated the preliminary round, 
garnering 42.53% of the vote. A new party formed in 2022, the BTP received 19.58% of the vote, while the ruling Druk Nyamrup Chokpa finished fourth out of the five political parties contesting the preliminary round. The Election Commission of Bhutan has invited both PDP and BTP to nominate one candidate for each of the constituencies for the final round of voting. Bhutan's 2023-2024 elections have been marked by more choice compared to previous elections, with five political parties vying for the people's vote. All the parties highlighted the economy as a key issue for voters, with COVID-19 and Bhutan's entry restrictions impacting their economic performance. Reversing youth migration and a planned special administrative region in Galefu City will also be key issues for the winning party to tackle. Myanmar has overtaken Afghanistan as the world's largest producer of opium, according to the UN Office for Drugs and Crime. Myanmar's opium production is estimated to have risen to 1080 tons. In comparison, Afghanistan poppy production has dropped by 95% after a Taliban ban imposed in April last year. The UN Office for Drugs and Crime noted in a report that Myanmar's opiate economy rose to between USD 1 and 2.4 billion with more farmers choosing to grow poppy after the 2021 military coup due to poor access to markets, skyrocketing inflation and lack of state infrastructure for alternatives. Much of the poppy cultivation takes place in Shan State, which has been impacted by ongoing fighting between armed groups and Myanmar's military junta. On the 5th of December, the West Rukum District Court in Nepal found 24 individuals guilty in the caste-based murder of Nabaraj BK and five of his friends in Soti village in 2020. The landmark ruling also saw 17 individuals convicted for caste-based discrimination, a significant step given that several of the accused were freed while the case continued and the former minister, Janadar Sharma, claimed in parliament that Nabaraj and his friends died by drowning. Caste-based discrimination continues in Nepal despite it being considered a legal offence. Even in cases where legal action is pursued, impunity persists due to perpetrators exploiting loopholes in the existing legal provisions. And that's it for the News Roundup. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting Himal by becoming a member. We are a fully independent, non-profit media organization, and we rely on listeners like you to sustain and grow our work. You can see our membership plans at www.himalmag.com membership. And we've included a link to our membership page in the episode notes. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. If you want to help us bring you more updates and stories, you can sign up for membership at www.himalmag.com membership. We've got a range of membership plans for you to choose from. You'll get access to our archival newsletter specially curated for you and even Himal's iconic right-side-up map with its startling new perspective on South Asia. And if you don't want to miss out on future episodes of South Asia Sphere, head to the link in our notes to sign up for our newsletter which will bring you the updates right to your mailboxes every fortnight. 
follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever it is that you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback for the current format of South Asia Sphere, or just want to talk about how we can make it more accessible for you, don't forget to head to the link in our episode notes. We'd love to hear from you. And that's it for today and for this episode. See you next time.